Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, professional mediator Simon Good. This is actually the first episode in a series of three that I've prepared looking at the topic of repairing relationships, particularly with a friend. And it's a topic that I've been considering for a little while and I've actually had a couple of emails come through recently talking about that as a potentially useful topic to focus on. And so I thought, well, you know, that sounds like a good idea. And so I started to think about, well, what would be the best areas to focus on or the best structure? And the challenge is that when we start to think about our relationships with friends, there's just so much, well, I mean, any communication and conflict really, but particularly with friends, I think there's so much nuance and almost like cultural differences involved. And so all of us will have a different style. You'll use different words and phrases and a different approach than me, of course, which is why I tend to usually try to focus on frameworks and general principles rather than, you know, use this word or avoid using this word just because there's so much, I guess, just unique context involved in how those things are interpreted. And even though when you think about friends, one thing that doesn't occur to everyone is that your relationships with different people are actually very different. When we talk about a friendship, even a relationship with the same person might change dramatically over time so that the way that you would communicate and what's appropriate now might not be the same as two years ago when you were at university or back when you are at school or you know before you got divorced or whatever else it might be. And so I've, again, started to think about then, well, how do we talk then about relationship repair, given the fact that there is so much difference involved? And so I've thought what might be helpful is today to focus on general principles. So some of the ways that you could think about relationship repair, how to deal with the emotions that are involved and generally speaking, which kind of approaches tend to be helpful. I'll draw from some of the experience I've had as working as a mediator and doing conflict coaching and training in conflict resolution skills and that kind of thing as well. Uh, In the next episode, what I thought I could focus on is apologies. And again, particularly in the context of dealing with a friend, how could you apologize to a friend and do that in a way that actually gives them the impression that you're sorry? And then in the third of this series of episodes, I thought I could focus on how to actually set up that conversation with a friend, like how to raise that topic, which is potentially a a pretty uh, sensitive issue, particularly if there's been some type of a disagreement or an argument or something like that that's going on. So how does that sound? Today, we're focusing on the general principles next week, talking about apologies. And then in the third episode, I'll be focusing on the repair conversation itself. Before we get into that topic, though, I just wanted to say a massive thank you for listening. I'm always grateful. If you've got a question or a topic that you'd like me to cover in a future episode, you can send me an email. It's podcast at simongood.com. And the spelling of that website is S-I-M-O-N-G-O-O-D-E.com. I'm working on a few uh, different resources and training courses that I'm hoping to launch early next year so that you'll be able to access those. So um, if again, if you've got particular topics, like it, maybe it's assertiveness at work or performance management or de-escalation with very erratic clients or staff members, potentially how to deal with a difficult boss, uh, managing up and down and left and right and all the rest of it, which are the kind of topics that are useful for you. That's really helpful for me to know because I'll focus on those areas as I'm developing the course material. And then I'm planning to sort of put some discount codes or something like that available for podcast listeners. 
So let's get into that topic then of thinking about the relationship repair with a friend. And I've sort of broken this down into the thoughts and the way that you think about these situations, how you deal with feelings, and then the general principles in terms of response. So if we start with thinking, one thing that I'm very often saying to people as a mediator is just be careful about the way that you're thinking about this relationship. Like what you think is true or what you think are the facts actually is almost entirely your subjective opinion. In any relationship, if we think about what is it, like what is the relationship, it's nothing. It's just an idea that you've got in your head about what you mean and what another person means to you, what you mean to them and what they mean to you. And the truth is that in every relationship, the other person who you're in a relationship with won't think about your relationship together in exactly the same way that you do. They'll remember different events that happened differently. They've seen the expression on your face, whereas you might have assumed that you looked a little bit more gentle or a little bit more kind or a little bit more grown up and mature or whatever else it might have been. And they're also considering your behavior and what you say in the context of everyone else that they know, which will be different to the people you know and the way that they were brought up and the way their parents interacted with them. So any relationship then to me doesn't start with a fact. It starts with, well, we need to get on the same page about what we're actually talking about here. Given the fact that the relationship itself is this subjective element that we've both got different ideas about, as we start to think about, well, how then can I talk about repairing a relationship with a friend or with a mate, the starting point has to be curiosity. It's like, what do you think? What do you make of this? This is what I remember, but what was your take on that situation? This is how I'd like things to be moving forward, but what do you reckon? And if we approach conflict or relationships or friendships in that way of, like, this is something that's open to interpretation, it naturally prompts us towards curiosity And the reason that that is so helpful in relationship repair is that it then leads to empathy. If we're in a very genuine and authentic way willing to explore what the other person thinks and feels about our relationship, it inherently starts to create this sense of connection because they feel understood. And the other thing that I really like about this as a particular focus is that it naturally shifts the conversation towards the future and the solutions. Once you start from this place of curiosity of, hey, how can we tweak things here? Like, what do you actually want? I love hanging out, like not as frequently, but for a longer period of time or when it's just us, or actually it's really fun when we're with these other particular friends. So maybe if we organize a, you know, every couple of months trip away together, that might mean that we're actually really closely connected as mates, but we have more time to hang out with our kids or spend time at work or whatever the other priorities are that we're managing at the moment. So it starts in your head. (laughs) I mean, the truth is it's all in your head and you might be surprised at just how much progress you can make in your relationships with your friends just by changing the way that you're thinking about them. As you then go to approach the conversation, and again, we'll talk about this in a couple of episodes time, you will approach it differently, like where you might have normally walked in and said, you know, every time I ask you to hang out with me, it feels like you brush me off. I'm sick of it. I wanted to let you know how I was feeling or something like that, that almost definitely will come across as criticism, probably from the word go. If you're approaching it from this position of curiosity, you would talk differently and act differently and just walk in differently. 
you'd walk in by saying something like, hey, mate, I'd love to hang out a bit more, just the two of us. What do you reckon? Again, it's this more curious, open, which then tends to elicit a very different response from the other person. So that could be a helpful starting point, just considering your thinking, the meta thinking about your thinking, I suppose, uh, reflective practice in, in other words. The next thing that you might reflect on are your emotions. And I suppose there's two elements to this. One is self-awareness. And then the second is, I guess, deliberate self-regulation. Like which of those emotions do you decide to display and how would you display them? I know in a lot of situations where there's tension or conflict within a friendship, probably one of the elements that you're feeling is anger or some version of anger. And the challenge with that is that saying to someone, I'm feeling really angry, all it typically does is leads to defensiveness because it comes across as critical. The implication is that I'm angry because of you or because of something you've done. And the invitation is then for the other person to start to defend themselves that's not my fault, you're overreacting, whatever else it might be. So as you're thinking particularly about anger, one of the tools that you can use is what's called emotional granularization. It's breaking apart that emotion into smaller and smaller pieces, which start to then mean that you can observe them without them affecting you. It's like you realize that there are these fish swimming around in the pond and each of the fish represents a different thing that you might be feeling and you are the pond, you are not the fish. (laughs) So you are not just anger, that you're probably disappointed and hurt and exhausted and wary about opening yourself up for another rejection, you know, uh, what would that be, not confident or a bit insecure. And often those underlying emotions are more helpful if you decide to display them, saying to someone something like, you know, I'm just feeling quite lonely at the moment or... I'm feeling worried about the fact that given that we don't really hang out anymore, moving forward, there's a potential that we'll just continue to drift apart. So what I often say to people is that if you're going to talk about an emotion, it's usually better to share something in terms of you being distressed versus you being angry or upset. So saying something like, I'm just feeling a bit overwhelmed or I'm feeling really isolated or... I'm worried that I'm letting you down. You know, you keep asking to hang out and I always seem to say that I'm busy or I'm concerned about how this will play out moving forward. Or even I'm concerned about possible misinterpretations like crossed wires between the two of us. All of those can be helpful things to discuss in the context of, well, how do you want this relationship to be? And this is what I would like. And is there some way to sort of move things in that direction? So I would think carefully about which emotions to display. If you do decide to display some, I'd focus on that. I'm feeling distressed rather than I'm feeling angry. But one, I guess, general principle that you might consider is it might be more helpful to describe emotions rather than display them. So instead of crying to show how upset you are, you might say to the person, "I, I feel like I haven't slept well for a few weeks now, ever since we had that discussion and things went really pear-shaped and I know that I said things that really hurt you back then. It's really weighed on me. It's been on my mind and a lot of the time when I'm trying to work or trying to relax and concentrate, to be honest, I I start really worrying about how things have been between the two of us. It's really upsetting me. So I'm sort of describing those emotions, not necessarily displaying them. In terms of how I communicate, it's that low, steady tone of voice low volume, slower speed that I would normally use when I'm approaching a de-escalation, for example. 
because my goal is to display something about the fragility or brokenness or problems in our relationship. And the risk is that then the other person might interpret that as some, I suppose it is either pressure or criticism. And maybe it's lack of certainty. They thought they were on solid ground of knowing where we stood and all of a sudden we're sharing some something that might be new to them, like how we're disappointed about something that's happened. And so you almost need to prepare preemptively for this ES for this escalation to happen as the other person reacts to this, which means that we'll have to go slow, um, maybe just prepare to pause and just rewind a little bit and go back a step or two if the other person's so upset about something that we've already said earlier. And it might even be that we get ready to initiate a conversation and start to talk about what we're thinking and what we're feeling, which might plant some seeds or it's the beginning of a process of repair walking in with the expectation that you're going to be able to fix everything in the word go, that often is a recipe for disaster. It's not likely. And if you walk in with that mindset, those negative emotions like frustration just tend to spill out as a result. So at least for me, I I tend to think about those two things going together, the thoughts that I'm having, the story I'm telling myself, as well as the emotions and the feeling which probably has a number of different layers as well. There'll be a physiological component. My heart's racing. I feel shaky. I can hear my voice quivering a little bit while I'm talking. Um, But then there'll also be a I'm disgusted or annoyed or disappointed or whatever else might be there too in terms of the actual feelings themselves. So then in terms of what kind of approach could be helpful, again, there's just so much nuance involved. It's difficult to be overly prescriptive. But one of the things that I often suggest is find opportunities to be overly gentle, overly kind, overly unassuming, overly polite, and overly innocent and ignorant. If we're gentle, kind, unassuming, polite, and innocent, what tends to happen is that we minimize the chances of coming across as critical or um, putting pressure on the other person or something. And then we don't tend to encounter that same level of defensiveness. So by being overly gentle, for example, you could give them autonomy, like saying something like, hey, I'd love to talk about how things have been between us lately. When would be a good time? Or hey, have you got time for a quick phone call later? The salvo, how are things looking for you? Um, I'd love to catch up and have a beer. But it's, it's with this very open, curious approach of this is an option. Does that sound like something that appeals to you? <laughs> this is something I would like to do. Is there any chance that we might be able to make that work as opposed to, hey, we haven't seen each other for ages. Are you free tonight? Then all of a sudden it's like, you know, it's yes or no. And maybe again, that perceived pressure versus I'd love to catch up. Is there a time that suits you over the next couple of weeks? Even in the the conversation itself, like don't interrupt, don't speak loudly, don't use a harsh facial expression or tone of voice, again, be overly gentle. And if the other person acts indignant and they pretend that they hadn't known about any problems and actually you, you know that they are because you've heard from your friend Jane that they were bitching about you behind your back or whatever, it's just try and be overly kind. Assume the best possible interpretation of the other person's behavior. If you assume the negative and focus on the negative, you're going to elicit more of the negative. So when you're interpreting why the other person's acted the way they are, try to just assume a kind, like they were very busy or they're copying pressure from their boss or they're, you know, probably in a 
challenging spot in their relationship with their wife. So that might be why they've brushed us off rather than assuming it's because they don't like us. And there's obviously some kind of a problem, something that I've done. So I'd look for opportunities to be overly gentle, overly kind. Unassuming is sort of related to what I talked about earlier of being curious and open, even as you're stating the facts. Like I wouldn't say there is obviously something that's happened between us and I want to talk about what it is. I would say something like, hey, you know, I might be completely off the mark here. Maybe I'm misreading things, but I'm wondering if there's a bit of tension that's crept into our relationship. I just wanted to talk to you about it directly rather than going on and making assumptions about what could be going wrong. I mean, I've been not getting much sleep lately myself, so it's possible that I'm not thinking as clear as I normally would. What's your take on things? This unassuming approach then tends to really invite an open type of response um, in a reciprocal sense. Being overly polite, maybe even formal, I guess this would be the kind of thing, it depends on the person and what your friendship looks like with that person. But if you would normally just walk into their room, for example, if you feel like there's a little bit of tension, maybe knock (laughs) instead of just, you know, walking in and grabbing a chip off their plate at the beginning of the meal, maybe just stick to eating your own food. I mean, all of these are just classic examples of where with some friends I would do this and it wouldn't be a problem at all and other people would they'd find this incredibly insulting but I would just notch up the politeness a little bit especially when you're in a situation where you're wanting to repair you know I'd I'd love to pay I'd love to buy you a drink or um, just just what you would consider to be good manners in terms of your set of cultural expectations and the way you communicate I would err on the side of being more polite than usual And then as the conversation unfolds, or even before that, do your best to take a position that's a little bit innocent and a little bit ignorant. It's really helpful to say something like, actually, I hadn't realized that was what you were feeling. Um, To be honest, I wasn't aware of the fact that this had impacted you so deeply. And I can see now where I sort of would have expected you to be able to move forward. It makes a lot of sense why this has been an issue that's caused you a lot of stress. I hadn't realized this. This is new information to me. I don't have all the information. Gosh, that's not something that I intended. These are all really helpful responses, especially if the other person starts to talk about something that they might be upset about. If you don't focus on this, the risk is that you would become defensive yourself. If they're saying something they're upset about and you think that that was something you should have known, then of course you tend to then explain your behavior. I just feel like um, every time I reach out to you, you're too busy. And then you might jump in and say something like, that is not true. Actually, I've looked through my messages and the last three weekends I've sent you a message wondering if you wanted to hang out and you didn't want to. Whereas the more ignorant, innocent version would be something like, oh, gee, I I had no idea that was what was going on for you. (laughs) The focus is on the other person. It's empathetic. It's not even really implying agreeing or disagreeing. It's just, yeah, I can kind of get where you're coming from. I think just even as we prepare approaching the story that we're telling ourselves, but certainly if you start to practice and think about the words that you're going to use or the best way to bring this up, just really focusing on that empathetic and a little bit more ignorant sort of approach might mean that you come across more curious. As you're starting to talk about the relationship, then this would mean you do it in more of a mutual and neutral way. Um, It seems like we've had a few cross wires lately. It feels like we've been drifting apart. I wonder if maybe we've been heading in separate directions. I'm wondering if we're entering into a different phase of life and we might need to just tweak and touch base about 
how often we hang out and what's going to work for both of us. What do you reckon? But at all costs, the general principle across the board is to avoid criticism. And if you do communicate something that you feel like it might have come across as critical, the other person's getting defensive would be one clue, then prepare to de-escalate, slow down, lower your tone of voice, don't interrupt, just let them vent, let them have their say and summarize what they've said and go back one or two steps. There's no rush. It's more like a dance, I guess, where you need to be in line with the other person and given the fact that you might have spent more time thinking about this or preparing for the conversation, well, it's likely then that you won't engage the other person and they're absolutely ready to go with understanding fully what they think and feel about the situation. They might need some time to process it. So that is the way then that I would think about the relationship altogether is it's a process. We're not always as close as we are right now. We drift apart, we come back together. The funny thing is that probably that's happening differently in both of your heads. You'll perceive being more close or more distant, probably in a different um, frequency range than the other person. There's possible that there's times when you feel like you're close and the other person doesn't and vice versa. Yes, that is an inherent function of relationships that we have a subjective layer. So we shouldn't be surprised when that happens. It often means though that If we can keep that in mind, we tend to approach conversations about relationship repair more effectively. So I hope that that's been helpful for you, just thinking about some of the general principles that you can use for dealing with challenges in friendships that you've got. In the next episode, I'll talk through those uh, principles for apologies. I'll actually explain the five different kinds of apologies and give some examples of how you could use the different types depending on what's going on and the different friendships that you're dealing with. And then the final episode in the series will be on a little bit of nuance around the actual conversation itself. What's an effective way to begin? What are some options in terms of expressing your perspective? How can you be empathetic and acknowledge what the other person said? That kind of thing. And then how to shift the conversation towards the future and the solutions. Again, thank you so much for listening. All the best in the conflicts and uh, situations that you're dealing with. But particularly if you decide to do something along the lines of repairing relationships or tweaking a friendship that you've got, yeah, I really do wish you all the best. Bye for now.